Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Oh, man. So I figured... We, we were praying and asking the Lord, okay, what do we want to do opening up the new year? And overwhelmingly, I just heard we need to reacquaint ourselves with who Jesus is. Uh, you know, as, as the year ends, we always take time and reflect, right? We reflect on what happened last year, what we want to do better this year, reflect on all that's good and the bad that's happened, and we want it to be a little better. And, and so I'm praying that as we walk through Isaiah 53 together uh, in the coming year, that we learn and maybe relearn who Jesus is, that we have a better revelation of who he is, and that we have a better understanding of what he's done in our life and who we are in him. And so our prayer is that as we journey through this year, and as we journey through Isaiah 53 together, that we get reacquainted with Jesus. And so we are opening this year up with a series called the Jesus Series. There's really no other name better to start this, is the Jesus Series, Isaiah 53. And hopefully by the end of this journey together, we have this, this passage probably pretty well memorized in our hearts and in our minds. And so what I want to do is I want to just open this up a little different. We usually just read the scripture, but I think we need to stand up and we're going to read this together. It's, it's quite long because this, this, uh, this word from the Lord starts actually in verse, uh, chapter 52 and continues into 53. And so chapter 52, verse 13, is where we're going to pick it up, and we're going to end at the end of chapter 53. So everybody got a good breath? You're good to go? All right, here we go. It's long. <laughs> See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. Hey, I didn't ask you guys to repeat. That's awesome. You're doing good. Hey, we can do this. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was disfigured. He seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they have not been told. They will understand what they have not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But we are pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strung straight away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on us the sin of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly. 
yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had deceived no anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier." because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. You made it. Good job. You guys have a seat. Isaiah 53 opens up with these one sentence. Who has believed our message? Who has believed our message? And to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? When Isaiah was writing this, actually speaking this over the people of Israel, they were in a really dark time. It was a dark time for Israel. They were about to be conquered. And Israel is giving a future glimpse of a savior, of someone that's going to come and rescue them. And he asked this rhetorical question, who has believed our message? Who has seen the Lord's mighty arm? Who has believed our message? I think that's the most important thing we can ask ourselves as believers and even unbelievers. Some of you may be in here today and you don't believe in Jesus. Maybe you're searching, maybe you're wondering. Maybe some of you have come in today and you're deconstructing your faith and you're not even sure if you believe what you've been taught anymore. And the question I want to ask you today is this rhetorical question that Isaiah asked Who has believed the message, the gospel? the good news of Jesus. This whole passage is talking about Jesus. This whole passage, if you look at it and you look at the life of Christ, you see it parallels and mirrors all that he's been through. It's a foretelling of Jesus. It's a prophecy of Christ, what he's done for us and what, he's going to do, what he has done and what he's going to do and our place in him. And so as we dive into this, I think it's a great starting point today that we ask this question, have you believed the message? Have you believed? Have you seen his powerful arm? Because belief is a strong thing. It's something that centers us. It's something that create, it makes us, right? What I believe about something dictates how I act in my life. If I believe something about a person, then I'm going to treat them a certain way. If I believe something about my world, then I'm going to react to the world in that way. Our beliefs are very powerful. Our beliefs center us. And so our belief in Christ and in God centers us. If I, if I see God as a good God, as a good father, then my life is going to reflect that as he's a good father. If I see God as, as, a, as a God that hates me and is angry with me, that doesn't want anything to do with me, then my life is going to reflect that in some form or fashion. Belief is powerful. In fact, it's so powerful that when I was a freshman in college, I went to freshman orientation, and they invited a hypnotist to come in that uh, on that orientation day and we were all sitting there and and he called people up and I got picked to come up I don't know why I raised my hand but I did 
And I got put up there, and he embarrassed us for a long time up there. But at the end of it, he convinced a lot of people that there were certain things and certain people. And he, he convinced me that I was, in fact, Superman. You know, Superman, stronger than a locomotive, faster than a bullet, right? Can leap over tall buildings in a single bound. And he convinced me that I was Superman. And he would, he would say this town that he's out of in Oklahoma. And when he said, I don't know the word because I don't want you saying it because it might still be stuck. I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but he, he would say... He would say the town he's from in Oklahoma, and I, my, that was my key to get up and act like Superman. And I went back to my seat and was sitting there just watching the thing, and he said that thing. He said where he was from. I got up, put my arms out, ran around the, like, all the college like this. Dun, da, da, da. I was even singing, okay? Dun, da, 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 da. You know, I was doing Superman. I came up, I come on stage, and I'm standing there like this because I'm Superman. I believed I was Superman. And he was asking me all these questions. Yeah, are you Superman? I was like, yes, sir. It's like, are you faster than a bullet? Faster than a bullet. <laughs> you know, can you leap over tall buildings? I can leap over tall buildings. So it was like just this super, this thing in me. I believed truly that I was bulletproof. Like I was Superman. Nothing could stop me. I felt powerful even in that moment. If you've ever been in a hypnotism, it's a weird thing. But I believed deep inside that I could do those things. Belief is powerful. Belief drives us. It makes us, it creates us, it, it spurs us on. And, and in our life, we're going to find that we believe certain things through three primary ways. We, we hear things and we believe it, right? So the first way that we believe is always through hearing. We hear something usually from somebody we trust. If somebody I believe in, I trust tells me something like kids, when they come to you, parents, and they ask you a question, the little ones, and you tell them that's the gospel truth. They don't know any. You could be totally lying to them, right? But they believe you because they trust you. And so those kids believe what, is, what has been taught to you. And, and, and you believe things that people have told you because you trust that the source is good. And so we believe by hearing. That's one area of belief. I think I have a slide up there about the beliefs. Three beliefs. We believe by hearing. That's, and we say, you know, that sounds right. That sounds right. But he said, that sounds right. And then we also believe by seeing things. Seeing is what? Believing. If I see something, I'm like, that is awesome. I believe that now. If I don't believe in UFOs, right, but I see one, I think I see one, I'm like, oh, I believe UFOs because I've seen it. Seeing is believing. And I'm not saying that you, um, please don't get me I'm, I'm not saying UFOs are real, but I'm saying if, you don't, if you've never seen it, then it's hard to believe it. But if you've seen it, then you're automatically going to think, well, that looks right. I can believe that. But we also know that what we see can also mislead us. Illusionists are really good at this, right? Illusionists fool us all the time. They fool our eyes. They fool our brains because our brains can't comprehend what we're seeing. And so seeing is believing, but it's not always the truth. What we see sometimes can be very fooling, and we know this, and so we know that, and so we're very skeptical of the things that we see, and so it's hard for us to believe everything that we've seen. And, and because the world we live in is so untruthful, and there's so much falsity out there, and there's so many things that try to tell us what's right and what's wrong, the things that we hear aren't always, we can't always trust them because we don't even know who to trust anymore, right? Right? Who do I go to for the truth? 
And so what happens is our believers become unbelieving. They become hard and we can't receive anything. And then there's the third and the most powerful thing that we believe that helps us to believe, and that's our knower, our knowing. It's not knowledge, because knowledge comes from hearing and seeing, but it's, it's something deep within us that just knows that it's right. It's nothing you've been told. It's nothing you've seen. It's nothing that's been taught to you. It's just a deep, innate thing about us that says this is right or this is not right. This is true or this is untrue. There's something deep within us. I want to call it our knower. Deep inside our knower that just knows that it's good. I know it's right. And, and these three things help us to believe. But often, like I said, because of the world that we live in and because we may have been hurt by people that we trusted and they told us a lie, we don't want to believe anymore. Because we've seen things, but then we found out that they were not really real or they were illusion or they were CGI graphics, right? And now we have a hard time believing what we see. And sometimes we think we know and we want to know and it feels right and it knows right, but then everything else tells us that it's wrong. And so you don't even want to believe your own innate ability to believe any, like to know anymore. Something happens within us that helps us to where we just can't believe. We, we don't grasp. We don't know. And Jesus knew that this would happen. That's why he came. Because there was something broken in each and every one of us. Something that, that, that happened to each and every one of us where we failed to believe in God, number one, and believe in Jesus, number two. That he's come to save us. That he has actually fulfilled the thing in Isaiah 53. I mean, I read this prophecy. This happened. That alone should be like, wow, Jesus is real. Like Jesus really did what he said. But some of us in here read that and go, well, that's just a coincidence. Wow, that's really strange. <laughs> because our believers aren't receiving what God has, wants to give us. And so you can hear the truth and it won't, you can't receive it. You can even see the truth and you can't receive it. Even, you can even know and deep inside of you that is true, but you still don't believe it. What's going on? You have something called a hard heart. You have something that, that, that's happened inside of you that's died and it can't receive anymore. Your heart has become hard or stony. The Hebrew term stony heart actually means like dead heart. Like there's nothing that happened. It doesn't do anything anymore. It's just dead. It's like cold, hard, and dead. There's rigor mortis is set in. Nothing can go in. Nothing can go out. When the heart pumps, what happens? Nutrients go in. Nutrients go out. It, keep, it, it flows things. I'm not a doctor, so I know there's nurses in here. They're like, that's not how it works at all. But. but what I do know is that it pumps in and out, in and out. And, and when your stone heart, when your heart is stony and you can't receive and you can't get anything from God, it can't receive from God, and it definitely can't give out to people. I love that song we just sang. I build my life on you. Reveal me. To, I'm... Reveal to me who you are, Lord. Let me go and love other people. And when our hearts are stony and, and we, we fail to believe, we can't receive from God and we can't give out to other people. There's something disconnected there. There's something going on that we can't believe. And, it, and if, we, if we're not careful, we allow that stony heart to reside in us forever. But Jesus has the answer for us, for me and you. If you have a stony heart, you may be sitting in here today going, man, that's... That's me. I just don't know what to believe anymore. 
My eyes deceive me, my ears, I can't trust anymore, my heart, I don't even know who I am. I don't even know if this Jesus thing is real, if Christianity is even real. And the more you dive into it, the more your experiences have dulled you to the gospel, you want to give up on it. But I want to, I want to challenge you today that as we dive into this series and as we move into this new year to get a fresh look of who God is and to get a, ask God, ask Jesus to reveal himself to you on a whole nother level than he's never done it before. Because it takes, a revel- it takes a revelation from God to really understand who Jesus is. Because here's the thing, you can see all the miracles. You can hear all the gospel. You can go to the greatest preacher in the world and hear a message. You can even go to a gathering and see miracles in front of you, but you're still going to have a hard time believing if your receiver's broke, if your heart is hard. Growing up, I wanted to know. I wanted to know if there was a God. I truly wanted to know. And I'm going to tell my friends, you know, I'll believe in God. I'll believe in Jesus if he comes down and tells me that he's real. I'll believe in Jesus if I see a miracle, if I see this person's arm grow back, or if I see this person stand up out of a wheelchair or see this cancer healed. But I want to tell you, growing up through my life, I saw Jesus. I mean, not physically, but I saw him through people. I saw him through people. I saw him take care of my family. I saw Jesus work through other people to give my family food when we didn't have any when I was growing up. I saw miracles. I saw real miracles growing up. But yet I denied them because my heart was hard to the gospel. It was, I couldn't receive from God because I didn't want to, I, did, I couldn't believe there was something wrong with me. There was something deeply wrong with me and I couldn't receive the truth that was right in front of me. In fact, John himself talks about the instances where Jesus was rejected. I mean, can you imagine, like, like I said, if Jesus comes down and, and reveals himself to me, then I'll believe. If God comes down and reveals himself, then I'll believe. But you know what? God did come down. He did reveal himself in the person of Jesus. He did miracles. He spoke the truth with authority. Jesus came to us, and yet we still had a hard time. Even the people that were sitting in front of him, watching him do miracles and preach, they had a hard time believing. They couldn't believe. And John records this in John chapter 12, verse 37 through 43. I want to read that to you, and I want to pull some things out that will maybe help us to understand why we can't believe and what we can do about it. And so Jesus gets done teaching, and then John records here, but despite but in, but despite of all that they've seen, right, despite all the miracles, every miracle he's done, feeding the 5,000, raising the dead, heal, casting out demons, healing blind people, healing lame people, doing all these miracles, people still did not believe in him. And John picks up here what Isaiah threw down in 53. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, rhetorical question, who's believed your message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe, for as Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and have me to heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. Many people did believe in him, though, 
but however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they would not admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. So I want you to notice in this passage what's going on. These people, Jesus is here, he's teaching, he's doing miracles, but yet people still did not believe. Their hearts were hard. It says their hearts were hard. They could not grasp it. And in our life, there's two primary things that harden our hearts. There's these, these two things that come together. If you've ever worked at J.B. Weld, you know what I'm talking about, right? You have these two agents that come together and they harden. There's two hardening agents that, that harden our hearts. The first one is pride. It's pride. Pride is simply saying, God, I know better than you. I know better than you. You know what that sounds like? Well, if God's so good, then why does this happen? Well, if, if God's so you know, amazing, then why, is bad things, why does bad things happen to good people? And those are questions we need to wrestle with. I mean, those aren't things we need to just dismiss. But pride says, well, I know better than God. If I was God, I would do this. If I was God, I would do that. If I was God, there would be no world hunger. If I was God, I would cure this person or heal this person or put this person in charge of the country. If I was God, that's pride. That's putting yourself above God. And, and this pride thing even works two ways. We don't think about it, but it works two ways. There's this pride like, I would do this better. I know what, I know what God should be doing. And then there's reverse pride or reverse humility that's basically saying, I'm too bad for God. God can't love me. God can't heal me. God can't do this. God doesn't want me to be forgiven. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago, and they were, they were sharing how they were being, trying to share the gospel with somebody they love so deeply. And they know the truth, but they can't accept it because here's their excuse. I'm bad, and I deserve to go to hell. God can't love me. That's false pride. That's saying, I know better than God. I know better than God. God can't do that. It's reverse pride. It's, it's on the other side. And for you to say that God can't heal you or God doesn't love you or God didn't send his son for you, that's reverse pride. It's putting yourself over God and saying, I know better than God. And it hardens our heart to what God wants to do. And we can't receive from him. And we can't give out to others either. Pride's a monster. If you don't think you're dealing with it, you're probably dealing with it. <laughs> so I never thought I had a pride problem until I said I don't have a pride problem. And that's prideful. So we all deal with it. The problem is we got to kill it. And the second thing is fear. Like these people couldn't believe God. They couldn't believe Jesus because they, they were too proud to believe. But then on the other hand, you see these other men, these teachers of the law, they want to believe in Jesus, but they're afraid of what people think. Man, fear is a huge, huge thing. I mean, it keeps us from really going after God, doesn't it? I mean, think about people in India and you think about people in other countries where they turn from their cultural faith or cultural identity into Christ. What happens to those people? A lot of them get rejected. A lot of them can even get killed. But most of them, they get shunned out of their family. Like, you don't belong to my family anymore. There's a huge price for people who believe in Jesus. And so naturally, there should be some fear there. There's fear of what people are going to think, fear of, of what is going to happen to me, fear of rejection. These people didn't want to lose their influence. These are, these are priests. They don't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. They wanted to keep their influence, and so their fear of man overrode their fear of God. 
I'm telling you, fear of man is detrimental to your faith. Are you going to be afraid of what people think, what people want, what people's expectations for you? Are you going to believe God and trust him? You know what fear is? If you just underline fear and try to define it, it's just a lack of trust in God. That's all it is. If I fear something, it's because I don't trust that God's big enough or can handle it. If I fear something, if I'm fearing man over God, then I don't trust that God has my best interest at heart and these people can give me what I want or what I need. Fear is not trusting God. And I I want you to know that just trust him. It's a hard process to trust him. But I'm telling you, the more you trust God, the more you see he's faithful, the more you can trust in him. It's a process. Fear is a huge motivator. And it's a huge hardener. And when you have both of these things in play in your life, you have pride and fear, man. It's, it's hard to receive anything from the Lord. You need a miracle in your life. You need something to break off the crust, to grab the heart and force it to beat. CPR. <laughs> we do have somebody that can do CPR. In my life, I was that way. I was hard. I didn't know I was hard to God. I thought I was good, but I was hard. Somebody had to come in and make my heart beat again. The Holy Spirit came in and revealed Jesus to me. He grabbed me, he grabbed my heart, and he made it pump. And I was starting to receive again, starting to believe again, starting to know. See, it's only through the Holy Spirit that we get a revelation of who God is and who Jesus is. We don't get it on our own. Jesus even says this, to his disciples, because he's asking his disciples this, the same question that Isaiah is asking us today. Who has believed our message? Do you believe that I am who, you, who I say I am? Jesus is walking through Caesarea Philippi, and he's with his disciples, and he's saying to his disciples this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Who do you people say, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, Some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he asked them this very same question we all need to ask ourselves. But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Not who your mom says Jesus is, not who your dad says Jesus is, not who your grandparents or your pastor or your youth pastor or your kid's pastor if you're in here. Not what they say about Jesus, but who do you say that Jesus is? That's the question you need to be asking yourself. Who do you say that Jesus is? And Peter jumps up and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, I can say, whoa, (laughs) you're blessed, Simon, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. You didn't learn this from anybody else. And I'm telling you that the moment you give your life to Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to you. You didn't get to it on your own. You couldn't think your way to Jesus. You couldn't hope your way to Jesus. You can't feel your way to Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals Christ to you. And he's like, here's Jesus. What are you going to do with him? And in that moment, you have a choice. You can reject it or you can accept it and receive it. And in that moment, he gives you a new heart and a new identity. We see this. Jesus replied, Simon, 
you're blessed because God reveals to you. Now I say to you that you are Peter. Notice he gives him a new name, gives him a new identity, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I'm telling you, this is, this is beautiful because when you give your life to Jesus, this is what happens. He gives you a new identity and he gives you a new purpose. He gave Peter a new identity and a new purpose. He says, you, he goes, Simon, you're, you were Simon the fisherman, but now you are Peter the rock. Now you have purpose because you know who I am. And now you know who you are. And there's something beautiful about that. When you accept Jesus into your life, he reveals something so powerful about himself to you. And you know that you are a son and a daughter of God. Your identity changes just like that. Your life changes just like that. I see it all the time. That's the joys of being a pastor. When I get to see people, like, get it. God gives them a revelation. And they're like, Jesus, you're Lord. Oh, my God, you're Lord. You are my Savior. You are my King. You love me. You love me so much. I can't believe you love me. And they get it. And their lives change forever. Never the same. Never the same. My life is different. Your life's different. Your life's different. Because God does that. It's beautiful. He gives us a new heart. The only cure for a hard heart is a heart transplant. You can't, you got you to get a new heart. And that's what God does. He gives us a new heart by a revelation of who he is. So how do we get a revelation? Well, Matthew helps us here by writing something that Jesus says. Matthew chapter 7. You got to ask, you got to seek, you got to knock. He says this. He goes, Man, if you want to receive anything from God, this is what you need to do. Keep asking. Man, I've been asking. Well, keep on asking. I prayed once, Lord, show me who you are. If you come down from the sky, then I'll believe. Keep asking. Keep asking. And you will receive what you ask for. Keep asking. Keep on seeking, and you will. What? Find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. I love how this passage has those three beliefs in there. Asking. If you ask something, you have to listen, right? So you got to hear. If you're seeking, you are using your eyes. You are looking. See, it's right. You're knocking. You're, you're deep inside your heart and your knower. You're looking for the truth. And Jesus says, Ask. Listen, listen for who I am. Listen to the word. You can trust me. Listen to the word. This is truth, guys. You can trust this. Despite what people say, this is trustworthy. It's been proven over and over and over and over. Every time they try to prove it's not trustworthy, they can't prove it. It's trustworthy. Ask, seek, look, look around you. See what God's done in your life. Tonight, go outside. Look at the stars. That's created by a creator, by a designer. It just didn't happen. It's too organized. Seek and then knock. God, can I come in? Can I see you? Can I know you? And it says the door will be open to you. It's a beautiful thing. The Father wants you to come in. He wants you to come in. He wants you to come home. He's asking you to come home. 
I think of the hardest person in Scripture. Jesus talks this parable about the, the prodigal son. This young man wanted his wealth. Now he didn't want to wait for his father to die. If I can get somebody to come play piano or Christian, if you're still here. I want to close in this way. The prodigal goes to his father says, Father, I don't want to wait till you die to get my inheritance. I want it now. And the thing I find most interesting is that the father said yes. He wasn't like, get out of here, kid. You got to wait. He said, okay, son. You wish me dead. You can have my inheritance now. Good luck. The son runs off, goes to a distant country, spends all his money on partying and wildlife, never thought in his mind about his family or his dad or any of that stuff. He runs out of money, famine comes. Now he's in trouble. What's he do? He goes and gets a job at a pig farm. And for a Jewish boy, you don't work around pigs. You're unclean. So he finds himself in the lowest part, the lowest job he could ever find himself in. And he's feeding the pigs. And as he's feeding the pigs, he's so hungry, he looks at what they're eating, and he longs to even eat the pods that the pigs are eating, the slop. And then he comes to his senses. Scripture says he comes to his senses. He gets a revelation. You know what? My dad's servants have it better than I do. His slaves are treated better than I'm being treated right now. At least they have food in their bellies. And he gets a revelation, and he goes back home. And he says, maybe my dad will just let me be a slave. And he walks back home, and in the story it says that God, the father, who is also God, is waiting on his son to come home. Notice that the father didn't go chase after the son. He didn't go look for him. He didn't send out an APB. He didn't go after him. He let his son run away in hopes that one day he would come back and truly understand his love for his son. So the son comes walking up, fearful, afraid, doesn't know what his dad's going to think. And he sees his dad in the distance and his dad's running towards him. He's like, oh man, here it comes. And instead of his dad yelling at him and scolding him, this is his dad embraces him. He says, son, I've been waiting for you to come home. He's like, dad, I'll be your slave. Just, I'm so sorry. He says, I can be a slave. Get this kid a robe. Get this kid a ring. Get this kid some shoes. My son who was dead has come back. He's been accepted in. Just like it was before. And that's what happens to you and me when we give our life to God. And we say, Jesus, I accept what you've done on the cross for me. I accept that I'm a sinner, that I'm just like that prodigal. I ran away from God and his purposes, but I want to come back. And God says, welcome home. Welcome home. I have a room for you. Not in the slaves' quarters, but at home. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. That's why Jesus came. That's what Isaiah 53 is all about. He made us clean. He made us, he gave us inheritance. That's the beauty of the gospel. Amen. So I want you to stand. I'd like the ministry team to come up. I want to end in this way today. I don't know where you're at.
I don't know what you need. But this whole time, the Holy Spirit's been poking you and prodding you, and he's been revealing Jesus to you. And here it is before you. What are you going to do with him? Have you believed what we've just said? If you haven't, then I'm going to pray that you ask, that you seek, that you knock. If you have a hard time believing that you ask, that you listen, that you seek, that you look, that you knock, that you pray, that you give God the opportunity to speak to you. Maybe today you've given up on your faith, you're, you're here because your parents drug you here, and you're like, I don't even believe in this Jesus. I don't know if Christianity is real. Just doesn't seem right. I'm going to challenge you to give it another chance today, to give it another opportunity, to give God the opportunity that you would not close your heart off, that you would just give him an inch to reveal himself to you this week. So this is what I want you to do for that person that's like, I'm, I'm just here. This week, just ask God, can you reveal yourself to me this week? I want to know if it's real or not. I want to follow you, but I want to make sure you're real. I want to make sure what you say is true. I don't want to follow a lie. Ask him that. And then watch. Watch for it. He'll reveal it. And then pray and accept it. Maybe today you need healing. Maybe today there's somebody in your life that's far away from God and you need them to come back. You want them to come back because you know that what Jesus has done in your life and he can do the same thing in their life. Maybe you need to stand in the gap for them. Let these ministry team pray for you today. Let them step in and ask, seek and knock with you. So whatever you need today, Christian's gonna lead us in a song. If you need ministry, please come down. These people are safe, they're trained, they love you and they want to help you. So if you need healing, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, please come see one of them. They will help you. They will love you and they will give you some material and they will help you in the process. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you draw everybody up that needs prayer. God, that they would not have cold feet or stony feet but God, that they would come up and that you would do a miracle. God, even before they start walking, if people need healing, God, I pray that as they start walking up, God, those things would start to break off and healing would happen in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those prodigals, God, that they would come home today, Father God, that they would say, I want to be home. Home is so much better. Lord, draw the prodigals home. God, I pray for those people with stony hearts, God, that you would give them a heart transplant right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.